uh, with Sean, I see Adam's interested. In ICU, usually you just have to have family permission, but it's only like, it's limited who can be in the room. If you have a ministerial license, anybody can just go. You can just flash the card. Go ahead. Linda's husband has a surgery on Monday. They found a, a, a large polyp in his body. And uh, Linda prayed for him, you know, to believe that thing disappears and would just like you to in, in, in be encouraged to, if it comes in your heart, to pray for him. I said, it's not Monday yet. And she, cause she said to me, she said, well, you know, I prayed, but it didn't go. And I said, you know, faith's not hit, miss, win, or lose. It's not a plug you pull in or pull out. And I'm just encouraging Linda in this process because sometimes when stuff's that real, you know, we tend to do this. I use this example. I was ta- telling Linda that we have, a, we have a growth here. We pray. We tend to look and let that determine things. You know, Father, I thank you, you love me, and I thank you that you heal me because Jesus is Lord and he paid the price for my life, and I thank you, Father. Lord God, I just praise you and I just thank you. God, we tend to do that. And, 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 and there's a place where you cross the line from faith to just sense of living and, wow, it ain't working. And, hey, I'm praying, nothing's happening. And you're just forced to live by sight then. And faith isn't like that at all. Faith isn't like that, man. You get on something like that that's visual. Who realizes that your biggest challenge sometimes is a visual thing? Yes. Something you can see. Yes. And because it's a visual and you're praying and who knows it's cool if things just shift and change. That's like, yeah, that's really cool. But what are you going to do if you don't see something shift and change? You can't shift and change this book. You can't shift and change the heart and will of God. And you can't let your own faith shift and change. Do you understand? So uh, in this school, we're going to get a whole lot on healing. And I just kind of been scratching around some things because once we go there, it's, pr- it's really hard to come back because a, a long, strong part of this school is going to be on just healing and you and I moving in the kingdom and the power of God and seeing what he accomplished through Christ manifesting. Amen. But if you can agree with Linda, if you want to get with her after this class, a couple of you ladies surround her with her and believe for her husband and, and, and speak life. Amen. A uh, lot of good things happen when you pray like that. There's a couple people in the church right now. Pam, who else? Who? Pam and Deb and, and Kim. Uh, so they're three sisters. They're praying for an aunt, an auntie, that passed. And, and they just took off and went to pray for her. So, and I think that's amazing. So that's awesome. So let's just be in faith for that and just believe that that God's because these are things I love when people step out and do that stuff because man they're believing this thing's possible and David was just here and people stirred amen come on he says raise the dead here here we are still fearing death and we're supposed to be raising the dead and we're fearing death and uh, wow people are stepping out praying it is a big step you know, and it's a little different in this country. You have to get, you just have to go for it and do what it takes and get permission from family and get permission sometimes from the morgue and whatever you got to do. I've been in a handful of those situations. Uh, 
I have not seen anybody get up in those situations, been in the morgue. I mean, I was in where they've left us have as much time as we needed. And I was like, wow. And we were just praying. Uh, I will give you this. It, it sounds like advice, but it's, it truly was just my experience. I found the more people we took wasn't always the best because we were from all different little circles and streams and whatever. And unfortunately, people are coming from all different angles. And they're, everybody's trying their thing and and it's not about that it's the power of the name of Jesus and the finished work of Christ it's just life through Jesus it's not what you and I do it's not even really what you say most of the time it's what you believe it's always about what you believe we get so caught up in self-conscious in what we're doing that we get we're so we're so full of method I was in different things where we were praying for the dead and and people were like well let me try this well, let me do this. And they're quoting their favorite scriptures and prophetic, and they're trying to connect to Old Testament, New Testament, Revelation, speaking it over them. And it all seems so exciting, but it just, it's very confusing. We had one, one lady was doing inner healing. She said, I see his inner child hiding under the table, and he's so afraid to come back and face life. We need to heal the child so he can raise from the dead. And that's when I left the room. <laughs> that's when I left the room, Tim. <laughs> I said, I'm no good here anymore. My faith is pretty wrecked by now. I need to go regroup. <laughs> you know, but you heard all kinds of stuff in the room. Uh, one person said, I see him sitting on the lap of Jesus. He's holding him tight around the waist. And he's saying, no, no, I don't want to come back. So it all seems like people are seeing stuff. It says it's just... Duh. Just stay out of all that stuff, okay? It says, raise the dead. Jesus' name, come back. In Jesus' name, live. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Father. Just stay there. We'll do well. Just stay there. (laughs) Okay? And uh, it's just, yeah. Oh, God. I don't know where we're at now. But, But they're there. Father, just thank you that you're with them. Thank you, Lord God, as they walk in there. Your resurrection power, your kingdom, and your glory manifested. Thank you, it is your will to live. You brought life, you orchestrated life. Through Jesus Christ, you brought forth life. And we speak life into that situation, into Sean's uncle, into Linda's husband. We just thank you that the kingdom of God is being released and the glory of God revealed. Father, for one reason, because you love people. You love people. And you proved it when you sent your son and manifested your heart towards humanity in crucifying your own son on the cross. Thank you for raising him from the dead and justifying us. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen? Amen. Okay, guys. Whoa. Thanks. So what are we going to do today? (laughs) I'm looking for my notes here. I left him at home. Yeah, I I can't find him. I I left him at home. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh, two days ago, I preached something pretty passionate. It's, it's pretty sobering, right? Who was here? Everybody from the school. Obviously, there were some visitors I see today that probably weren't here. But uh, talked about you can't take things personal. When things come against you, there's a language in the church that, that, that like everything's against you. Like the devil's really coming at me. And we shared a distinction where it's a war against the kingdom. You now represent the kingdom. God's put his kingdom inside of you. 
If you take this thing personal, you're going to get weary, you're going to get discouraged, you're just going to be like a cat in the corner in your life if you're not careful. You know how easy it is when somebody says something if you don't understand this stuff and and you're not really rooted in ground and pursuing and seeking and you're just kind of living in a natural mind but yet you have a heart towards God and somebody says the wrong thing and it makes you rise up defensive, protective, all that stuff. That's not, that's not normal. That's not the way God made us. That's normal in the world. And you don't want to become like that. Even, even uh, adversity. I'll tell you what. I turned to 2 Corinthians. We're definitely going to go there. Let's go back to Hebrews 12. Where we were the other day. But we never really, we never really went there. Because we read. We, when we went to 12, we started reading 11. Remember? Because there was a therefore in 12. So we went back to see what it was there for, and there was so much good stuff there, we never got out of it. So, but wasn't it cool that Moses, by faith, forsook the, you know, Egypt and didn't fear the king in 11? Remember that? And, uh, oh, it's so good. But we're going to read 12, because we did 11, and we can, go to, we can legally go to the therefore, because you can just check out the lesson two days ago. We covered this. But uh, I want you to see this. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. See, I tried to read that that day. And then I said, well, let's just look at them. I hear this defined that there's a whole group of people in a stadium cheering us on, like surrounding us in life, rooting us on. And it sounds cool. It sounds inspiring. You know, go, you know, (laughs) and yelling your name. But what it means is we have these lives to follow. There's people that have, have, have been examples and forerunners in the life of faith and integrity and, and surrender and we have them as witnesses and he writes about them because we see their lives through the word and, and we, we're surrounded by a whole bunch of examples of people that love not their own life unto death and what he's saying is we, we need to be encouraged by that and follow that example and then he goes right into Jesus because Jesus was the clearest of them all, right? But you know how it says through faith and patience, uh, I think that's Hebrews 6, through faith and patience, we follow those who inherited the promises through faith and patience. We follow those who, by example, have through faith and patience walked in the promises. You get that? So uh, Philippians 3 says that there's people that are examples and that we ought to have this mind that we haven't apprehended. We're growing, we're increasing, stay hungry, don't feel like you've arrived, don't allow yourself to even plane out in your hunger level or your seeking of God and think you've arrived. Don't just ride the wave of the last good thing God did. These are all traps. It's happened to me over the years a whole handful of times and God said, hey, what are you doing? You're still talking about a month ago whole month sliding by and you're still talking about the glory of what I did a month ago. What are you going to do if I do something greater? Talk about it for three months? <laughs> There's more things. I remember putting a picture of two babies on my refrigerator that no way should be alive. One was born without lungs. When they unplugged the respirator to let her die, she breathed. That's pretty midnight. Wow. <laughs> she breathed. Why? Because he's Lord. And because he breathed into dirt and a man stood up, he can go in a NICU unit. He can. (laughs) Sorry about your table. 
I'm just beating on these tables. I got them marked up. I get excited to write up close. You go bang on them. That's what I do to my steering wheel. I was getting, wasn't I? Don't I hit my steering wheel? I get a little, I, I'm pretty cool with you in the truck. I don't try to scare people, but I get a little excited. And I just tapped it a little this morning because there was a song playing. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's the same one, it was fresh. <laughs> yeah, same songs. <laughs> we were having fun with it. But I put the picture on the fridge, and then every time I'd go to eat, I'd cry. And it really wasn't sad, I was happy. Because I'd look at their picture, and there's two little babies alive. Yeah. And the story was cool, because it was a woman who was barren and was told she'll never have children. And then when she did get pregnant, she had them early, and they were supposed to die. Well, that's not God. And you can argue with me till you're blue in the face, and one day you'll find out that's, and that sounds arrogant to you, I'm sorry. That's not God. It's steal, kill, destroy. He does not put a human being in that emotional place and sovereignly decide to say, well, I'll take a barren woman. I'll let her get pregnant and experience the joy of pregnancy and then I'll test her heart and take the kids from her and see if she really loves me more. You follow me? But there's theology out there that talks like that and I totally disagree. And I don't mind stirring up that controversy. I'm not trying to. It's just that's not God. I cannot find him there. That God. You better understand that that's not God when you go to pray. Or you're just going through the motions and you're praying a water, if it be your will prayer. And if it be your will prayer, you're revealing you don't know his will. And you can't possibly have faith in your heart without understanding the will of God. It's that simple, guys. You answer me how, if somebody has an answer, you need to raise your hand and interrupt me here and be bold and come up and get this mic. If somebody can explain to me how I can have faith, the substance, the realization of my hope, the evidence of what I haven't seen, how I can have that if I don't know the will of God in my heart. Somebody needs to help me with that because I had a pastor tell me, well, you can still have faith, but he couldn't tell me how. Faith is what comes up and out of hope. Faith is beyond hope. Hope is wonderful. Hope is the anchor of my soul. Because if I don't have hope, I'm hopeless. We all know what that means. Okay? But faith, faith is revealed as being the outcropping of hope. You see what I'm saying? Faith is the substance, the realization of my hope. So my hope isn't unwarranted. It's not unfounded. It's not a fingers crossed, I hope so. That's what we think hope is. Boy, I hope he does it. Boy, if he does it, that would be great. Boy, I hope he does it. Are you with me on this? Come on, that's hope. But that's not Bible hope. You understand the will of God. You've reconciled with the will of God. Look at, look at Romans 12, 2, what it says. It says, don't be conformed to the world. That means the world's ideas, its ideology, the way it thinks and functions, its patterns of wisdom, just life itself, just in general. Don't be conformed to the way the world flows and functions, but be transformed. Isn't that what the gospel's all about? Come on, we're in the world and not of it. But unfortunately, we all grew up in it. We were all trained by the fall of man. We were all trained by fear and anger and frustration and wrath. 
We were all trained by self-centeredness and jealousy and pride. Every one of us was through that school. And we all passed with flying colors. (laughs) Serious. Nobody failed that school. It's called the fall of man. You were born into Adam. And we must be born again. Born again is born again. So at some point, the Christian in his own heart has to take the privilege of calling all that dead. Of looking at his life and understanding what is and isn't God and God's will and what is and isn't wisdom. You're the steward of your heart. At some place you have to decide what's still coming along with you from yesterday and what's cut off. Come on, you have to decide if your mindset and your patterns of your mind are still in agreement with the way it's always been or is all things new. Come on, I'm talking passion. I feel it in me. It's It's a heart cry. Because God's brought the truth through Jesus Christ and He wants us to continue in it because as we continue in it, we'll know it, we'll see it, and we'll become free. We do a lot of yell butts in our life because the yell butts is still holding on. That's the old way saying, don't kill me, we've been buds, we've been together a long time. Yell butt is human reasoning, it's human opinion, it's rationale. We're yell butting a lot of times. It's not wrong to ask questions, it's right to ask questions in a right heart. But when it's just a yell butt that's contradicting truth based on your life's experience, it's not a good yell butt. You say Jesus heals. Yeah, but not everybody gets healed. That's what we said. Yeah, but not everybody's going to be healed, brother. You tell Jesus that. The only reason you can say that to us is because we're still growing up in him. But you tell Jesus that. Come on, I'm on you now a little bit. You tell Jesus that. The only reason we say it, because it's accommodated by our experience. But Jesus says, come up hither. How about rising a little higher? Don't say you've arrived. Let's ascend. We're growing in him. Paul said, I haven't apprehended. We make Paul a standard. Paul said, I haven't apprehended. Paul's saying, oh, that I might know him. Why? So I can walk like him. Because there's a time I had to leave my boy along the road on the way to Miletus. And I had to tell Timothy just to drink some wine for his belly. But I'm writing of all this great revelation. But I'm not seeing it every time in my life. And I need more of you, God. But we say in human wisdom, yeah, but Dan, not everybody's going to get healed. You've got to face the reality. Not everybody's healed. (sighs) You can't settle that in your heart. Or you've just planed out. And you'll never pursue faith in God. It'll actually take power away from you. Because you stopped being aggressive. You stopped advancing forcefully. You've stopped pushing through the lie. And once you assume that belief, you will see way less things in your life than you did before. If you let experience start teaching you. I've watched people do it. They step out in faith and they're zealous and they're going and God's doing things. And all of a sudden they bump into what feels like a wall. And then they bump into somebody dying. And then they don't see something else happen. And now they spin in their mind. And the zeal that was in their heart is now confusion in their mind. And now they settle on a belief based on their assessment this way. And then they tone down and cool off. And then you'll see years go by and they don't have that glory and that testimony flowing anymore. I I, I know people like that. I've met a bunch. And they tell you with tears of when there was momentum, but they had to face reality. (sighs) This reality, guys. 
When my wife was really hurting, the doctor said, well, I appreciate your stand, Dan, and what you said, but I have to face reality. I'm in the position, and I'm like, you didn't hear a thing I said, sir. I have faced reality. It's this book. (laughs) So what do you do when she wakes up with brain damage? With none. It's reality. But if I let what he's saying, if I have a grid for that because I'm in the world, because I'm natural, because I'm in fear for my wife, because I'm coveting things this way instead of coveting him most of all. I'm going to be shook by that, ain't I? Come on, I come across real aggressive because I got a lot of stories and things to back it up. (laughs) I'm feeling a little happy right now. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Come on. Transformed by the what? Why? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Who knows what Romans 12, 2 says? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so I can prove what? The will of God. And it's not stages of His will. It's His will. It's good, acceptable, it's perfect. It's don't, 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 don't go with all this submissive, permissive, all this stuff that come out of that. It's, look, it's simple. God's will is good, extremely acceptable, because it's perfect. (laughs) Come on, that's so simple. We get so deep that we make it crazy complicated. Come on, we got it so complicated. We got Christian living complicated. Christian living is waking up and rejoicing you're a son because the blood's speaking better things and you are free, you are righteous, you are his, yay, it's on. (laughs) Are you following me? Come on, we make it complicated. Yeah, but if I don't, yeah, but brother and I, yeah, well, who? Come on. We're not conformed to the world. We're transformed because our minds are renewed. That means old things are no longer. Old mindsets. Things that we thought were wisdom. Now that Christ comes, everything's subject to change. Now we're transformed. Our minds are renewed. And we can prove whether it be through the word, through the life of Jesus, or through the expression of our faith, the Bible says we can prove the will of God. So we're actually called to know the will of God. Now who in this room grew up in a a circle, a denomination where that was almost taboo to assume to know the will of God was forbidden? That was a hot potato. Who could know the will of God? Let me see your hands high. Raise your hands high that you were raised with that thought. Now look around the room, guys. Leave your hands real high. You look at how many... That's a majority right there. Now you tell me what's up. That is not an accident. There's a strategy on the earth working to suppress truth. And man's pride and human wisdom feeds right into it. And we get sucked along and puppeteered. There is a strategy on the earth to quench the crucifixion and power of the name of Jesus. Because if he knew what he was doing, he wouldn't have. But he did. So now all you can do is deceive and mess with the minds of men. And keep people subdued. And and keep them from truth. And get them to fight over doctrine. And ah. Come on, the Bible says you're supposed to know the will of God. And yet somehow we find the capacity to teach that no one can. 
Somehow ministers and leaders find the ability to, to express that. And yet the Bible says you're to know the will of God. Ephesians 5.17 says, don't be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. <laughs> I read the book. You can't lie to me now. And I'm very passionate about it. And I don't apologize. Because I see we're being scammed. I see we're being scammed. I realize there's a voice on the earth that's not crystal clear Holy Spirit. It's talking like this. What did God really say? Oh, well, no. God just knows that. And it's all cool because the day you do that, well, see, you'll just, you know, God knows that. He didn't really say that because... It's the same voice that spoke to Eve. These signs follow those that believe. They lay their hands on the sick and the sick recover. Yeah, but not everybody's going to recover. Dan, you have to understand that not everybody's going to be healed. I mean, it's a reality. No, not everybody is healed. And just because you want that, sometimes God doesn't... Do you hear what that is? It's the same voice. <laughs> it's the same voice. And it's the way that seems right. Produces no life if you really listen. There's no power there. There's no authority there. So why have the Spirit of God? Why have the sword? Why have His name to speak? Why pray to move a mountain if it's ordained not to move? Why does God tell you to move them? If you embrace a theology that God built the mountain and set it in front of you. <sighs> Patty, go ahead, I'll repeat it. The best response is, I'll tell you what, if we end up in Hebrews 12 and Corinthians 4, we'll end up there. But right now, we're where we are. This is school. Welcome to school. <laughs> and it's not because I'm not prepared, it's because I'm not prepared, if you caught what I said. Did you catch what I said? <laughs> okay. Second Corinthians, I'm going to answer a question. Patty said, so when people say, yeah, but Dan, the reality is not everybody's healed, how do you respond? I simply respond, well, I know why you're saying that. In all due respect, the only reason you're saying that is because of your experience and our experience. But the Bible says we're to teach and train till we grow up into him in all things, that we're to follow Jesus. And the Bible says that the things he did, we will do also if we believe. But when you say that, but everybody's not, that's an, that's an absolute expression of uncertainty and unbelief. But yet, what's waiting for the believer is following Jesus. These signs follow those that believe. If you believe in me, the things I do, 
you will do. As the Father sent me, I send you. Go in my name for all authority I give you, all power over all authority over all power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy, right? I give it to you. And then we're still tossing around the will of God. So when we pray, we're praying because we have great need. Not because we have an answer. We're praying because we have great need. So we're trying to incorporate God and His Word and promises into our need. Hoping it prevails and works and bails out our loved one. And most of the time it's a fingers crossed prayer saying all the right things. Without a revelation of God's will in the matter. I understand. That's why probably in the school and we're going to teach it. It'll... Let me share the will of God with you all, okay? Linda said the will of God on healing, I'm not quite sure. I turned you to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 or didn't I say? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll answer your question right here in this verse. See, I knew where I was going. It was Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let me make this real plain. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus Christ, it says this, it says that in former days God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken. He has spoken through his son. Okay? You see the Mount of Transfiguration where Moses and Elisha show up. It's the law and the prophets. And, and the Son of God and the New Testament, New Covenant, Son of God coming forth and the law and the prophets are there and, 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 and then they disappear and, 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 and Peter wants to build a tabernacle, one for everyone, one for all three and, and, and God says, this is my beloved Son, hear Him. It's powerful. It says in Colossians 1.15 that He's the visible image of the invisible God. You following where we're at with this? It says in Hebrews 10 that a body you prepared for me to do your will, O God. Come on, I'm quoting a lot of scripture for you here. John 14 says, how can you say, Philip, show us the Father when you've seen me? You've already seen the Father. John chapter, Gospel of John chapter 1, around verse 15, so it says that no one has seen the Father at any time but the only begotten has declared him to us. Do you hear how much scripture I'm quoting on this topic? It means Jesus is the will of God revealed. The life of Jesus is God's will revealed. He's God in the flesh. He's the word of God with a body. Come on. Jesus is not just a man, the Son of God. He's not just our Savior. He's not just the scapegoat. He's not just the lamb slain. He's the Word of God in a body. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's the Word made flesh. <laughs> so you have to look at His, His life on the earth is so precious to us. 
because he modeled a life that we were created for. Or he'd have never said, follow me. That's why I'm so passionate. We are being lied to. And our human reasoning and wisdom is selling us short once again if we're not willing to be humble and repent and change the way we think. We'll just find ourselves being a bunch of know-it-alls in the end and we've known nothing because we haven't modeled him. That's not too heavy language. That's the way we need to talk on this topic. There's way too much stuff going on out there and we're still debating what truth is. And Jesus said, I am the truth. The debate should be over. I am the truth. So he's the truth in a body. And if we don't still be able to see that and embrace that and not let that calm us down here it's a paradox in other words I've heard countless people say well it's okay if they go you know we know where they'll be and then all of a sudden you put your sword away and you lay down your shield because well we know where they'll be and yet Jesus says to raise the dead that means there's people dying early dying before destiny's fulfilled dying before their legacy there's stealing and killing and destroying going on and and we're not supposed to just say oh well but in that time when that time comes we better be big enough in God to wrap our heart around that because it's beautiful because that's the two day ago school we had you can't take it that you have to see it for the kingdom and the kingdom is way bigger than even lost because nothing's lost in him so we don't grieve as those with no hope Why? But because we see the big picture and we have a bigger picture called everlasting life and Jesus is amazing. So yeah, so the child is absolutely in, can never be out. It's never known sin. All it's ever known is the presence of God. The child's never even rebelled against mother. It's never even run the risk of missing God for eternity. It's it's never run the risk of getting into wick and all that stuff. Now who knows that we're not supposed to let our children just go because hey that way they're in and they don't have to be tested by life. No, they had a destiny. Their life is a privilege. We're not abortion abortion is is <laughs> abortion is sin. And most of the time it's done in fear and, and, and uncertainty and all that stuff and, 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 and women that are overwhelmed and in situations but it's still a sign of self-preservation I can't deal with this I can't raise this I can't. my adoption is a lot better option than a abortion right but we do the abortion thing because we're dis- desperate we've embraced certain beliefs through life but it's still it's sin and I'm not being rude with that if anyone's here you had an abortion I'm not being harsh what I'm saying is that needs repented of that needs addressed but look how much bigger God still is than abortion where sin abounds grace abounds greater is it better to have the abortion because God's grace abounds that would be like is it better to sin because grace abounds? no no we're called to embrace the privilege of life and and bring people forth in destiny and nurture that destiny and let it take place but God's so much bigger than abortion look at it in Satan's haste to kill And put guilt and the judgment of sin on people. He's thrust millions of little infant children into eternity forever. He thinks he's winning. Kill, 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 kill. Steal, kill, kill. And God in his mercy through the blood of Jesus receiving all those. How many of those kids in the long run in reality might have never considered Jesus might have fought against the kingdom. Because of the confusion of life. 
So when you preach that, is it better to have an abortion? That's not what we're preaching. I'm preaching God is magnificent. (laughs) Are you hearing me? God is magnificent. So, so, So here's all these little children. They're not embryos floating around in the clouds, guys. They come to fruition the length of days. God in his righteous majesty brings them to fruition in the fullness and you're going to walk into heaven and see these kids that never were here but always were they've never sinned they've never known anything but the presence of God (laughs) is it better to do that and have no we're supposed to be responsible human beings that are living for God and denying ourselves and all that stuff but sin has come and caused these things but God is greater so when you have a miscarriage when you when you had two and you're pregnant now the tendency is oh I'm gonna have to get real with this one it's okay if I get real with this one the tendency is to be er because of the two losses and we don't realize the loss is what motivates our aggression it's happened to me oh I go in and I watch a man withering away and the reason I'm praying and sound so courageous and bold is because I'm so afraid he's dying because of the last two people I watched die because they looked like him and it sounds like and I'm actually intimidated and in my mind I'm saying he's dying and I'm praying all the right stuff and people say wow well Dan prayed and Dan has a revelation and Dan knows and it's Dan and I am not Jesus. I am following him. I am pursuing him. And I so want to be like him, I read. <laughs> but then people take your testimonies, your aggression, your passion, your heart, and they make you the model. And you and people say, well, I had him pray and him pray. And if God didn't heal when they prayed, then there's nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> Can you picture Jesus praying and nothing happening? then you ought to get that picture for your life because he's in you. Come on. Can you picture Jesus praying and nothing happening? You're the body of Christ. The kingdom is in you. Can you picture that? Can you picture Jesus touching a little child in a womb and saying you live and you come forth and that child not living and coming forth but what's his motivation when he prays bingo is there any fear in it is there any drivenness from past loss is there total security and identity in it and total understanding of the will of the father and guess what happens every time in that place bingo And we've wrote it off because we've been hurt so bad. And yet the Bible says he's in us and we're one and we're the fullness. We're the fullness of him that fills all in all. Rick. How does one keep focus? And I'm not saying this defines me. But for over 15 years no, you're now, just being real. I've okay. been waking up with chronic pain in my back. I know I'm healthy. I know I'm whole. But how does one just keep the focus? And you're amazing. You still work and you work hard, don't you? Oh, never stop. Yeah. 
Sometimes these things are such a paradox and I can't explain them. I don't understand them. You pray for your brothers. You, sometimes you don't see things change. Who's had that experience? Trouble is that gets in your head and then we try to explain what we're troubled by instead of just pursue truth. The way I always encourage people to respond to those things is when you rise up because you said something, this doesn't identify me. I'm just sharing. That's been my experience for the last 15 years. What identifies you is God's love for you. So you wake up and you're in the morning and you feel a real pain. You know you have to go to work and you know you have to lift. Many of us have been through this scenario. Man, the tendency is to go, oh no, man, it's worse today than it is usually and I gotta work, oh man. And we usually do the, oh. Usually our heart goes, ah, oh, first. And then we do the prayer thing. Now, I'm being real with you. If you follow me, you'll learn something by this. I pay attention. I've been at a pastoral level for a long time. And I pay attention. I really listen. I talk a lot, but you'd be amazed how well I listen and watch. I really do. And I watch people. And they reveal that there's still, there's still, you can still take a shot at me. There's still, the heart goes, ah, here we go again. We're taking on the thing. Oh, here we go again. And then our whole effort this way is motivated by the, oh, it's what's wrong. And now we're doing the prayer thing. You can reduce yourself to religion. You can reduce yourself to desperation. The key is you wake up and you realize this thing is there. You know it. It's like what we just said the other night. You wake up in the middle of the night and you believe it's insomnia and you believe it's the devil. Well, God forbid you mumble and grumble in your bed and say, oh no, here I am at three awake and I got to get up at six and I only got three hours left. I should be sleeping now. Work's going to be like hell tomorrow. God, you better intervene. What is that? That is you saying, me, myself, and I, and God, where are you? Please take care of me. The devil's picking on me. And he'll say, oh, yeah, I am. Pow, bam, pow, pow. <sighs> Come on. It's just all about you. No, you wake up in the middle of the night. Father, I so thank you for your love in my life. You look at the clock and your mind goes, uh-oh, 3 o'clock, 6. It's not that you don't have the ability to think those things, but they're not your reality. Jesus is Lord. Intercede, pray, get up on purpose, and actually, actually act like you believe God woke you up. Give your heart to him. Because if the devil's waking you up and you're acting like God woke you up and you're giving God credit and you're rejoicing and you're interceding for the nations, the devil's probably not going to wake you up. <laughs> but if you're miserable and you're going to struggle and you're waking up at six grumpy and you're saying, God, you better be with me. Why didn't you let me sleep? Please, God, where's the grace on my life? God, I need you. And you're reduced from love to need. Uh, I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say. And you're, you're letting everyone spiritually know that it's still all about you. Playing the right stuff, wearing the right stuff. Your ringtone's Christian, your screensaver's Christian. Everything seems right, but you're living from the wrong places. And you're still a sitting duck. Quack, quack. You see what I'm saying? It's duck season. Boom. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we just flip this stuff, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and you reveal selflessness. You wake up, Rick, in the morning and, and come on. It's not that you're in denial. It's not about denial. 
If Trish was sitting here and her head is splitting wide open with a headache and I say, Trish, honey, how are you today? And she says, oh, I'm just fine, Dan. I'm so glad you asked. I'm God's child and I'm his favorite and he blesses me and I'm blessed coming in and going out. Praise the Lord. I say, okay, well, glory. So how are you doing, Chelsea? (laughs) And then she's sitting there going, but she's doing, and she's doing the, you know, calling it faith. Oops, sorry. That was anointed, though. <laughs> <laughs> and she's calling it faith, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now watch. Now watch. What's faith about that? What's Christian about that? It's, we've learned it. Well, I can't confess it, brother. Well, I can't. The Bible says, is any among you sick? Let them ask for prayer. Is any among you sick? Well, then let them ask for prayer. Well, I don't want to say it, brother, because I don't want to claim it. I don't want to confess it. Where did we get that? You're not claiming it and confessing it. What you're saying is it's not who I am. It's not who I'm called to be. Pray for me and get this thing off of me. Watch. Is any among you sick? Let them ask, it says. The elders of the church to come, anoint you with oil and pray over you. It's James 5. So watch this. So what's Trisha's response? See, that's, that's not faith. That's, that, that. It's the work of Jesus to make sure. Here's what Tris says. Here's, here's the gospel. Dan, I'm glad you ask. Because right now it feels like my head's going to split. And, and most Christians go, oh, don't you say that? How's she ever going to ask for prayer? You have not because you ask and it shall be Two or more touch agreeing on anything. How can we agree if you don't talk to me? We've gotten into this weird place. It is a scam. Why is it so hard for Tristus to look at me and go, Dan, I'm glad you ask and care. Because she realizes I'm not just being rhetorical. I'm not just, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? No, how you doing, girl? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked right now. I have a headache. It feels like my head's going to crack open. But it is so not the will of God. He loves me. And I've been standing. I've proclaimed some things. But I'd like you to take my hand and pray with me and agree. Because it is not the will of God. He loves me. That's faith. Not, I'm great, praise the Lord. I'm great, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Because about three days into not being great, now your mind's spinning. You're wondering why what you're doing isn't. And you reveal that you're using the gospel as a method instead of a relationship with Jesus anyway. You're in relationship, guys. You're in a love relationship. We're not applying the gospel to our life hoping it works. We're not taking the promises and attaching them to a life hoping for a better day. That's methodology. Can I be honest? That's why I found so many people are disappointed and planed out in their, in their Christianity. We're trying to get all this knowledge and how to apply it to get breakthroughs and get God to move on our behalf. And it's really about being in love. Because love casts out all fear. Love is the most amazing place when you're in love. So back to Rick's question. So Rick wakes up in the morning and it's evident that his body has a feeling that it's had for years. And with nobody looking and you not there, Father, I so thank you for your love for me. 
God, I appreciate the job I'm about to go to and the body you've blessed me with and I call it whole and I thank you for the grace over my life. God, I worship you and thank you for Jesus. Thank you that I'm righteous in your sight today. Thank you that you're forming. You're in relationship, not because you're in pain. You're in relationship because you're in love. And because you're in love, grace starts overtaking this. This isn't why I'm going to God. The pain's not why I'm going to God. I'm going to God because He's amazing and I find myself in Him. So that should never stop. What happens is people question God's love because of the scenario. People question their access to God. You see what I mean? Well, if God really, well then how come? What am I doing wrong? They get sometimes violated in their own conscience. Well, yeah, but I have to be doing something wrong, brother. Or I'd be healed by now. And we always make it have to be doing something wrong thing. I wonder if we're just growing and learning. Do you understand? I see you, Anthony. Hang on. And, and I got actually stirring up. When I get on this topic, healing. You'd be amazed. The last school, I told you, when I got on healing, I cried after every class. After every class. See, I could cry right now because that's so real to me. Because just the questions, not that it's wrong. But a week into preaching on healing, it was almost like the class at large couldn't hear and ask the same questions over and over because our experience has become so powerful. And the Word is way more powerful. And it, it reveals that we're living out of our heads most of the time instead of our hearts. We're trying to believe with our head instead of our heart. And it's not a slam. It's not, it just cried because I love people. I care. I don't have a need to just preach and you go, wow, that was great, brother. I want to be transformed. The only reason I do this is because I believe there's potential transformation. I'm not doing this to impress you. <laughs> Are you following me? So this healing thing, we're probably going to end up really getting on it because here we are, it's a Thursday, but probably we're just going to end up getting on it because we're on it now. And I actually came across my mind today driving this morning early that it was almost like we're going to be covering healing aren't we soon <laughs> it's so important it's so important because of the paradox that Rick's just shared so you got four brothers they've prayed and they're all sincere spirit filled men that love Jesus and yet his body still hurts that drives our human minds bananas drives me bananas sometimes just I don't like it not in the way of questioning, just, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I say bananas, not questioning. I've, I've settled, I believe I've settled in my heart truth and, and, and I could seem over intense in it. I'm extremely intense and I'm not apologizing. I don't hide that well. Somebody said last year in the school, you're really serious about this. You're really intense. I said, because they, they, after four or five days of teaching, they ask a question and it looked like I almost took off their head. It wasn't to them. I actually apologized. I said, it's the question that I, that I want to decapitate. Because after four days of teaching on healing, they said, well, if Pastor so-and-so, who is such a great man of God, had this sickness and everybody prayed and he still died, how can you tell me it wasn't the will of God? And that question just never stops being asked. Because it makes rational sense and our human minds accept it. But you get Jesus to touch that man. 
See, that's what we're trying to do, aren't we? And we're touching him. Stay humble with me. You get Jesus to touch that man and what happens? Undoubtable. There ain't a person in this room, there ain't a person, I don't care what denomination you're in, that would quickly answer that question. Well, then we better make the association that he's now in us and we're the body of Christ. See, that's what we're trying to do, aren't we? Get Jesus to touch you. Trouble is, we're so busy touching him half the time because we're so well taught. (laughs) Oops. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm just being slow for a reason. Are you getting it? Is this sinking in? Sorry, Rachel, you're about third in line right now. I got a lot of questions going on. Anthony, or comments, whatever. They're not, and I'm, don't, I don't mind questions. We don't mind questions. It's amazing because <clears throat> I usually sleep really well. Um, every once in a while there's a night that I don't sleep well. But last night I woke up with intense pain through my body. That's not my pain normally. <laughs> I mean, right, something you're not f- right. familiar with at all. Yeah, it was just real, real intense. Right. And I just, you know, walking in what we're learning, and then part of what, <clears throat> I think part of it too, is what you were teaching yesterday. It just came, and uh, I just sat up, and I just, all I did is, what do you want me to do then? And I just started praying, whatever. I mostly prayed in the Spirit. And I went back to sleep. Then I woke up later, and I went to get up. And I had like a Charlie horse in my calf. I mean, and it wasn't just a, it was like a Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, whoa. I was was almost in tears. That's how intense it was. And again, I just went after Daddy. You know, I didn't focus on it. I just started thanking him and giving everything over to him. Right. And just, you know, just learning to do what you've been, what you've we're been teaching. sharing and teaching. Amen. So I just want to encourage those in the class, if you wake up or any time during the day, anywhere you are, and you start getting a pain, you know it's not yours, and you believe it's not a word of knowledge, just start thanking him for it. Or if it right. is a word of knowledge and you thank him for it, it might not go away, and then you'll realize, okay, this is a word of knowledge. Right. Two days ago, the teaching we did, it would be good to go back and continue to reflect on that principle of of perspective of life because what's it mean to not love your life unto death? What's it mean to deny yourself? These are terms we know in the church, but what's it really mean? And what's that look like in life? Do you see what I'm saying? So we want to realize it's a demonic war against the kingdom, but the kingdom's in us. It's not against you. He's trying to stop, of course, destiny, legacy, and all that. But I hear people make it real personal. He's just trying to stop my calling and da-da-da. And it, it just gets the fight gets kind of weird. He's just trying to stop the finished work of Christ, period. He hates every human being. He's not just extra mad at you because you took a step in Jesus. He's mad, Period. He's cut off. He's a loser, right? So, you know, you just got to be careful because you draw attention to yourself in some of those mindsets. And the last thing you want, and we've been trained this way to have a victim mentality in life. And the last thing you want to carry into your faith life is a victim mentality. 
because you will feel sorry for yourself and Satan will just pummel and just do stuff and you're victimized and then next thing you know you're disheartened and you're sad and you're questioning things that are already established you follow me yes. come on it, when I when I use the example I've not had a I've had some things years ago I've been a very blessed man for a long time but I've had some things very long time ago come at me very violently and I use them as illustrations in teaching because I know they were so violent and extreme I've never been in a long grueling like Rick shared and I know that has its own paradox and its own because of the timetable the weariness the day in and day out grind of pressing through so I understand there's a there's also a thing where it comes so violent so aggressive and it has destruction on its mind to just wipe out your soul you see what I mean? So that's the only thing I've ever been through. The things I've been through were extremely wicked and violent and very painful. <laughs> and there's been a handful of them. And after I went through three of them, then a window of time went by and I went through one where for two weeks my head hurt every day to where I almost passed out and I could hardly see. And it was pain beyond what I could describe and I could feel it coming. And my body was going, oh no, not again, because I knew it was going to be bad unless God delivered me. And after the end of that second week, it was like he, your, your flesh is feeling gun shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, duh. But your heart is so in him. See what I mean? And then that last day, see, it pushed just a little extra hard and it got me twice in a day. And that was the end of it, see? See how I get now? <laughs> Because my wife was hurting the whole time. Who knows? She loves me. So when I'm hurting like that and I'm her spouse, she feels like she can't do nothing for me and I'm dying. And she just, she, that, it feels like she's dying. And she's praying and doing her best, but she's overwhelmed by the extreme of this. You have no idea how bad it was and how it was bad. <laughs> Not giving it glory and honor. I'm just saying it was bad. My flesh didn't like it at all. <laughs> and on the second time in one day in the middle of the night it hit me the second time in one day it was always once a day and it was always at different times one time it was right before a healing service isn't that amazing and I'm supposed to do the healing service and I can't even function I'm curled up in a fetal position and I'm a half hour from the healing service doing it and in my heart, I'm like, God, you are so, I just appreciate you. You are greater. And I'm just, I just worship you. And the thing went, and it just went, just subsided. I went and did the healing service. You'd have never known I was like that a half hour before. And God's moving and people get healed, right? But yet the reality is, I got this thing coming at me every day. Now, if you're not careful, watch. Hear what I'm saying. You guys know me a little by now. What I preach, what I believe, passion in areas, righteousness, son of God. Put yourself in my shoes. Sometimes all that can make it all the more challenging here, especially to people I've learned. It doesn't change things to me. I see things for what they are. I've been very graced in that. But here's what you're hit with. But how can this happen to you if you really understand righteousness? Well, if you're, well, if you're free, well, then how come? Well, why? Well, if you understand healing, you see people, why can't? How? Who? Who? And because it's me. If I didn't have a good understanding of what I'm telling you, that alone. Do you understand? That alone could wreck me because I could have all those questions pop up. 
God, how can this still be in me? I'm the one that preaches this thing. I feel like I have a revelation. I understand. How could this say if I keep my eyes on you and I'm pure? The evil one touches me not. Well, he's sure touching me. God, where have you been? Why, what am I doing wrong? Da, 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 da. See, nothing changes about him in that place. So that night, Kim was, I was over at the bath. I was at the sink in the kitchen. I'm leaning over the sink, man. <laughs> Looked like I was drinking all night. And I was just, oh. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And she came and she rubbed my shoulder a little. And she said, oh, the one day it was happening, I was at the table. She was sitting there eating cereal. And she knows I'm not a frustrated guy. She knows I'm not a... She was eating the cereal. It sounded like somebody was breaking glass with sledgehammers. I was like, honey, can, can you like, just, can you like... I said, never mind. I'll just... She said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, it's okay. She didn't... It was that... But I was trying not to like, would you stop eating the cereal? Because all of a sudden she becomes my enemy. She's not my enemy. But it sounded like... Would you please be a little sensitive? I'm hurting over here. You know, that's what we do. She doesn't know. She doesn't understand. So you work through that stuff, and I'm at the sink, and she's like, and she's not even sure she should touch me, and, and, she, says, and she looks, she, she gets those puppy eyes, and she's like, she said, honey, how long is this going to keep happening? How long do you have to go through something like this? I mean, I mean what, at what point, I mean, how long are you supposed to do this? That was her heart crying out. <laughs> and I'll never forget these times. You never forget. See, I'm, ah. <laughs> I am in so much pain. I looked up and I smiled and I said, time frame? Not even thinking that. I said, don't you see what's happening? I said, the enemy doesn't believe anybody doesn't love their own life. I don't believe I love mine. I trust Jesus with all my heart. And I, I believe he thinks he has access to everybody. And I just don't believe he has access to me. It's all in it. And I was saying something like that. I was smiling because I was understanding what this was all about. And right when I'm talking, <laughs> thing blew off of me. It's like a, like somebody said an M80 off. <laughs> I was in, it felt like I'd never had a pain in my life, and I've never had it since that moment. <laughs> but it was almost like there's a test. Okay, okay, good. And we're going to go to Second Corinthians. We really will. I know we had a couple other verses on hold, but no, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. But go to 1 Peter 1 right now because this will fit. Let me just hold a couple questions for a minute. Please don't take that personal. I just need to make some ground here. I've been really given a lot of liberty for questions. Uh, and just give me the freedom to make a choice. There's nothing personal. There's, I'll get to some people. Watch this. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter 1. Watch this. This is amazing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's pretty good news, right? I got this whole thing, three, four, five, and six, rainbowed in my Bible. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, it doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven for you. 
She's talking about this total state of redemption where uh, new bodies, incorruptible, immortal, this corruptible putting on incorruptible with this mortal putting on immortality, yay, 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 were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. In this, do you see what you rejoice in? In this you greatly rejoice. There's a bigger picture. What did Catherine say about her sister? That's what she's doing, isn't she? She's rejoicing in something way greater than what's very real called physical loss of a child. But there's something way bigger in her heart that's alive. That's amazing. See, I honor that. That's huge. Watch. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, look at the language, though now for a little while, it's just a little while. Yeah, but it's been 15 years, brother. Did you hear it? But he didn't say that that way. What I'm saying is you could, but he's been... Come on, it was 38 years by the pool. It was 18 years bent over. It was 12 years issue of blood. There's a lot of years marked in the Bible. But the Bible says for a little while. Why? Because in the map of eternity, it doesn't even show up. Your natural life doesn't even show up. But yet your natural life speaks forever. A legacy to the king. <laughs> Did you get it? Oh my goodness, this thing. Paul says there are brief moments of light affliction compared to the eternal weight of his glory revealed at his coming. You see how faith looks? Now watch this. In this we greatly rejoice. So you can never lose the fact that you're a son. You can never lose the fact that you're free from sin. You're eternal. You're sealed. Now, it's not telling you to give up and get run over by a Mack truck on the earth because, hey, one day it'll all work out. It's not telling you that. Some people embrace that mentality and they say, well, it's okay. I mean, even if we lose them, we know where they'll be. I've heard people when somebody's dying, well, at least we know they're a Christian. They were already writing them off while they're praying because it's the Christian thing to do that they'll be healed. I've heard countless people after people die say, well, God showed me the whole time they were going to die. God showed me that they were gonna, he was going to take them. But the whole time we're in the circle praying and I've seen it almost every time when everybody's praying, it never fails. Somebody will rise up and say, well, you know, I wasn't surprised because God was showing me they were going to go. No, God wasn't. Because God gave you a promise and told you if you have faith, you can move a mountain. God was not showing you they were going to go and subverting your ability to pray in faith. That's your own emotion talking. That's talking right out of your soul. Here's another one I see all the time. I see people rise up as a prophetic voice in a circle when somebody's dying of cancer. I'm just seeing right now the Lord is saying he is going to raise you up. I heard the Lord say, I will heal. And everybody goes, yay! And freaks out. Why do they freak out? Because they're discouraged down inside and they're struggling and they need that encouragement. They need that word to give them hope when God already said what the person said prophetically. Here. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You don't need to prophesy concerning somebody sick that God said he's going to heal. He already gave you his word. There's no prophecy necessary. When we prophesy, we're, it's in our soul. It's out of our soul. I know that's strong language, but, but you'll, 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 if you get in the word, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> 
You don't need a prophecy. Here's the thing. We do because we're really on the run. So when somebody says, for the Lord has just spoken, they will rise up and they will be healed. I heard it while we were worshiping. For, or, or we're all in around the bed worshiping and somebody starts in prophetic form. For I am the Lord and I say I will heal. You look and see my glory and the strength of my strong hand. For surely I will raise them up. And everybody goes, whoa! You should already be, whoa! Because you have His Word. How many times have you been in those circles and that Word comes forth and that person dies? How many? Let me see your hands. How many people have been in a situation like that and those words come out and the person dies? Let me see your hands real high. See, that's a lot of hands. And then you know what happens? Then we start questioning prophecy. We question people's validity. Then we won't even know what's right, what's real. I don't even know what's real, brother. So-and-so prophesied and they died anyway. And we had the word of the Lord. You already had the word of the Lord. That's right. But the fact that you're putting all your stock in what came out this way means that we weren't rooted and seated this way. Come on, I'm just talking plain and straight. And some people get really, really challenged when I preach on this stuff. But you can't find anything different in the life of Jesus. I'm still waiting for somebody to show me something different in the life of Jesus. Nobody can. And he said, follow me. Come on, when he's talking in this book, he's talking to you and me. You can take that for you, or you can lay it down. But I'm going to take it, and I'm going after God. And here's what I do know. This is going to sound a little strong, and it might be risky saying it, but I know this to be true. The people that believe what I'm preaching right now, and are going after this thing, aren't seeing everything that they pray for happen. But they're seeing way more things happen than people that don't believe what I'm preaching. How's that for straight up? There must be a connection to belief and the power of God. When I get a vision of God's hand holding two little children in an open vision and they're both ready to die, if my theology isn't what it is, you know what I say to the woman? Take heart. Your children are in his hand. They're with the Lord. And you interpret the open vision based on your theology. And if you decree a thing, it comes to pass. Because I have authority in Christ. So if my belief system is the babies are in the hand of God, they're with him. He's taking them home. You'd be amazed how you have that authority then to let go you represent the kingdom but I don't think that way so I got real ecstatic and excited in in the prophetic vision I was crying because it was an open vision and you're not ready for that stuff you think you are you want open visions but when it comes (laughs) you know some people say well I want to see an angel there's certain angelic visitations Yeah, and they were sore afraid. (laughs) It's just something about the presence of God. You love it. I had the Lord come in my bedroom one time. I'm curled up. I'm not afraid like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. But I'm trembling and I can't look up. 
and I don't want him to leave. But I'm totally freaked out. <laughs> and he's over my bed speaking, and I'm... And he's my father, and I can't even come out of the fetal position. He was probably giving birth to something. Birthing. <laughs> I'm in the middle of my bed, and after the situation went, and it seemed like he left, which he never leaves, <laughs> I still lay there for 40 minutes and shook and cried. 40 minutes at least. My, there was a... There was a wind going around my bed. It was ridiculous. And you're not ready for that stuff. You're worshiping. I got my little CD playing. Jesus friend forever. Boo hoo. Whoa. My life. Yay. Jesus. And I crawl up on my bed and I'm worshiping God and I'm declaring some things and I'm crying out for his heart. And all of a sudden my room turns into a cyclone out of the blue and you just go whoa and you hit the deck and you curl up in a ball because you can't do anything else there was no way I could sit up if I wanted to and he just swirled you know what he said to me do you realize I've given you the honor and privilege of loving him I am failing love what he was telling me is I've given you my heart. Because I was seeking his heart for weeks and weeks. I'm crying out, one is love. What he was saying is, see yourself as one with me. Don't come to me as if you're lacking anything. I've put myself in you. And people ask, what's wrong with me? He's put himself inside of me. He's put his heart inside of flesh. Isn't that scriptural? I'll take out that old stony heart, fallen Adamic heart. And I'll put in a brand new heart of flesh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so the whirlwind leaves and you're still laying there shaking. There was a time I was kneeling at my bed. Thank you, BJ. There's a time I'm kneeling at my bed and I said, I don't understand hot or cold and lukewarm. I mean, why? I mean, lukewarm, it feels like at least they're halfway to hot and not all the way to cold. And feels like you got them at least on the... He said, lukewarm is hypocrisy. I asked the Lord a question. My poor home group, I say poor in the sense that they didn't know what was happening that night. Saturday afternoon, I'm on my bed seeking Jesus. Saturday night, we have home group. And the Lord comes. And I have never experienced anything like this. You talk about the fear of the Lord. He said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. That's what he said. He's because if you're cold, he said, I could set you. I could transform you and set you on fire. He said, but if you're lukewarm, you've chose a middle ground and there is no such. And it's hypocrisy, it's mediocrity, it's stagnancy. He said, and it's good for nothing. And it's good for no one. And then he said something that you can weigh for the rest of your life, but time will tell. He said, hypocrisy is the most wretched sin. 
He said there's more people suffering eternal damnation because of the sin of hypocrisy than any other thing. He said the hypocrite and those deceived by its hypocrisy that have failed to come to me are lost because of hypocrisy. That's what he was telling me. And I'm sitting there going, and the presence of God was unspeakable. And then guess what he did? He, it's like whoever, whoever drove a stick shift. That's what happened then. And there again, I'm in a fetal position. Here's what he said. He said, so Dan, sounded audible. I don't think it was. It was so clear, it just seemed like it. Doesn't matter. He said, so Dan, don't ever play the hypocrite. And I'm like, no, I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> don't ever play. This is what happened. Ever. Who knows he's God, he's loving, he's merciful. And because he loves, there's an intensity about him. Love is amazing. He's watching his children deceived. He's watching destiny subverted. He's watching people die that don't have to. Come on, this thing is great and awesome and it is. It's amazingly real. Duh. He said, don't ever play. It sounded like he was yelling. Play. And, and the presence of God that came on me, there's no way to try to even think about putting it in human words. It took me to the floor. I, it's not that I was afraid of God. He was drilling this in me. And the third time, it felt like I was going to die. He said, don't ever play the hypocrite. <laughs> and I laid there for at least an hour, shook and cried. And said, yes, Lord. Every, I'm just shaking now. Every 10, 15 minutes, I'd squeak out. Yes, Lord. 10, 15 minutes. Yes, Lord. And he was working sincerity in me. Commitment in me. Discipline in me. Grace was fashioning me. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I have nothing for that. I don't want, I was that my whole life. And in my heart, I don't want the weakness of flesh. That's why I'm in the bedroom. I don't want to serve me. I don't want to serve flesh. And God gives you these little visitations in the midst of your hunger and seeking because you're there day after day and time after time because you want Him. You're not just saying you want Him. You want Him. Oh, if I could have a visitation like that. It came through hours and hours of wanting him and reading and playing the Jesus, I'm yours, your heart in me. I don't want flesh. Uh, and all of a sudden, I ask him one simple question and he answers. <laughs> but he didn't just answer, I promise you. See, when you seek him, you find him. When you draw near to him, he draws near. That's how it works, kiddo. You go in and draw near. And he comes and gets you. <laughs> That's how it works. It'll always be that way. He'll never leave you, forsake you. He'll always be there. But you gotta be in that position, the pure in heart. It's not Christianese. It's not just getting my Bible time in. Well, I better do my devotion. I want to know him, Irene. I 
want to seek him and find him and hold on to him. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're on the floor and you don't even know what's going on. But you get off the floor and guess what? You're changed. <laughs> you're more than you were before. That means there's increase in the kingdom. If it's that way in integrity, why wouldn't it be that way with healing? Why wouldn't that be that way in the manifestation of love? Why wouldn't it be that way in the understanding of righteousness? We grow up into Him in all things to the full measure of the outpouring of the anointing. Are we there yet? That's why we're not seeing everything we know it says we should. But we have a goal and a standard, don't we? It's called the life of Jesus. Let's follow him. How about if you take a break? Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah, if you don't know those two, they're, they're amazing. I love those guys. I wish I was in town. I would be there. I thought you were bailing on me, buddy. I know. You said, where's the address? Because Brent's going with me this weekend, and he said, where's the address? I thought, well, I just lost my travel, buddy. He said, Nick, if Nick's in town, I'm, going, I'm running with Nick. <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have blamed you at all. His wife, his wife is a very holy young lady and the first time I met her she was on her knees and she was singing to the Lord in worship and it just got it, it was unbelievable it was really good and I got to do a little youth conference with them and get to know them a little bit and they're very precious precious people but uh, amen good deal wow I want you to see this quick there's a couple things I'm holding questions for now okay because I got to get a couple things accomplished so I'm not ignoring people there's just so many questions rise up when you get talking uh if, if you'll be patient with your question and listen, your question will probably get answered in the course of time. If you really listen, it really will. Uh, but there's a couple of things I want to establish here before we wrap up today. And we just got on this topic. It's not my fault. It's your guy's fault. It just somehow it happened. So I'm blaming y'all. But uh, in this you greatly rejoice, verse 6, 1 Peter 1. Yeah. Remember? 3, 4, and 5 talks about holding on heaven kept by the power of God through salvation ready to be revealed in the last times talking about immortality incorruptibility etc etc it's it's John saying in that day we don't know what we shall be but we know this will be like him you can pursue that now to be as much like him as grace permits and don't sell that short with human reasoning in other words it says if I see him as he is I'll be like him when I see him as he is it says I'll be like him as he is in this world, so are we. If love is the power of God, if it's, if, if, if it's love that it's all about, and God's told us to become love and, and love just like Jesus loved, and if God loved us this way, we ought to love one another, and if love is where the power flows and we can walk in love, then we can walk in that power. You can't show me one scripture that limits the Christian from the authority of the name of Jesus and the expression of the will of God. Not one scripture. The only thing we do is throw our experiences, our losses, our heartbreak, and our pain back and forth at each other. Guaranteeing us to remain in the same scenario, not getting past our feelings, and ever living by the Spirit. Sorry if I talk that late. You can, the worst you could do is stone me or put me on a cross. I'll just say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I was really telling the truth. <laughs> So that's really all you can do. So it's too late. 
Watch this. In this you greatly rejoice, though, now for a little while. This is, a, this is an interesting phrase coming up here. If need be. Is that in your Bible? Huh? May have had to. May have had to. If need be. May have had to. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Though now for a little while you may have had to, or if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Who's ever experienced that? Look, well, why didn't God intervene? Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't God, why didn't God protect me? Oh, he's protected you. He's raised Christ from the dead, <laughs> giving you his spirit and his word. But why didn't God intervene? Why did God allow? I'll just make this comment and we'll clarify it through the school, I promise. So don't send a whole bunch of questions on that one, especially the, the, the people on the internet. Uh, the God allow phrase is probably the most dangerous phrase in the church. It's the most subverting, dangerous, stopping the power of God, stopping faith in your heart phrase you can give yourself to. God allowing. The God allow phrase. The Bible says that we're destroyed for the lack of knowledge and when I give you the knowledge, you reject it. That's verse 7. We always quote 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. But 4, 7 says, and then I give you the knowledge and you reject it. <laughs> that one ought to be preached right along with it. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Does that have anything to do with God allowing? Does that have anything to do with the will of God? So if people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, is it the will of God that destruction is happening? Or is it the lack of knowledge that's allowing it? But we've embraced God allowing. So get the knowledge and stop destruction. So is the destruction the will of God? So it is the lack of knowledge. And God's given us the knowledge, and my people reject it. What's the knowledge? The Word becoming a man and dwelling among us. He came to his own, and his own received him not. The worlds were made through him, and yet the worlds, the people of the world, didn't recognize him. Why? Because they were so lost in the lie. Are you following? Come on. Truth came and dwelt among us and stood in front of us and we said, who are you and what are you talking about? Huh? Yeah, but. And the lie was so prominent in them that after three years of demonstrating and manifesting the truth, they finally killed him to get rid of him because he didn't fit in the lie. Whoa. Think with me. That's deep to me. He models truth for three years. And the best the fallen earth could do, the people blind by darkness could do, and we'd have done the same thing and tend to do the same thing anyway now that he's rose from the dead. I'm just being straight. I'm not putting that on you personally. We crucify. He's, 
He's, he's not just the epitome of... He is the truth. He's standing at Lazarus' tomb. He tells his disciples, I'm glad we weren't there. It's cool that he died. I'm glad we weren't there to rescue him. It's cool that he died. I'm glad we weren't there. Because now you'll see the glory of God. Let's go get him up. You think they'd go the whole way there. Can't wait to see it. And Thomas, the very next verse, he lifts his voice because they're afraid for him to go to Judea because it's always about death because man's under the fear of death apart from Christ. Unfortunately, in Christ, we're still under the fear of death because we don't understand Christ. Hebrews 2 says he is the end of the fear of the bondage of death to those who are in Christ. He's the end of the fear of the bondage of death. You've been held captive, it says, your whole life you were in bondage to the fear of death. Jesus is telling his disciples they're going to go to Lazarus. And one of his disciples says, uh, Master, if he's sleeping, I mean, he'll be okay. Let him take a nap. Because if you sleep it off, and he's like, let's just let him sleep it off. Why? Because the last time we were in Judea, they tried to kill us. They tried to stone you. What do you mean you're going to see Lazarus? Don't you know what they tried to do to you the last time you went there? He'll be better. Just let him sleep. He says he's not sleeping. He's dead. (gasps) And I'm glad for your sakes that we weren't there. Now let's go because you're going to see the glory of God. Let's go that I might get him up. And out of Thomas's mouth, John 11. Let us go with the master and let us die with him there. The race from the dead part. Guess what was on Thomas's mind? The integrity of dying with him. At least let's go with him and die with him there. The raise from the dead part. When he gets there, Martha comes running. Listen to the sting on this one. Lord, if you'd have been there, my brother would not have died. How many people are still saying that today? God, if you'd have just showed up, my spouse, my child, my loved one, my relative, God, where were you? Listen to the sting in that. If you'd have been there, you know he got there two days later than he could have. But, but he was already dead four, so he'd already been too late. But to the human mind, he's still late, and where were you? And didn't you know my... Because when it's that close, you feel like you're the only one in trouble. I got people that call me that think they're the only one on the earth because they're consumed by the tragedy of the trial. They don't realize there's thousands of people in duress. If you'd hear my phone machine, you need to call now. You got to call right now. And and if you love us, please, if you care at all, that's the compelling. It's, It's almost like a manipulation sometimes, but they're not doing it willfully. It's desperation. It's not, it sounds like manipulation to you, but it's not. It's, it's that they have gotten wrapped. The, their own crisis is so big that it's all they can see. And it's as if they're the only people in trouble. And when you do certain things like I do a ministry, you realize just how quick that happens to folks. So here's Martha. Think about this. 
Think how vulnerable she is with what she said as time goes by. And six weeks later, she's really missing her brother because she can't hug him and he ain't there. And if Jesus was here, why was he in a town so far away? He's the Lord. He should have known my brother was going to get sick. He should have known he was going to get sick. Where was his discernment? He says he cares. Does he really care? Because if he really cares, my brother would be alive. Now she's thinking for herself, her feelings, her emotions, and human wisdom is pushing her from her own love for the king. You think about the risk you run when you say stuff like, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died, where that's going to take you. And Jesus is standing there and he, she says, but still I know that God, and I'm not, I still don't understand this, totally what she was really saying other than she was, she's honoring him and believing she was Christ. She said, I still, but I know that God will give you anything that you ask. It sounded like she was pulling along in faith and saying, but I'm glad you're here now because you can raise him up. But that isn't what was happening. Because, uh, he mentions the resurrection and she said, I do believe he'll be raised in the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. What he's saying is the resurrection is here in flesh and blood. I'm here. They go get Mary. Mary comes running and guess the first thing out of her mouth is, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Sounds like her and Martha were talking, <laughs> feeling the same way. <laughs> Where was he? I don't know. I mean, but Lazarus was so close, you'd think he would have known. I mean, when we called, he still showed up two days later. Right? You hear what's going on? He looks at her, and then he hears the Jewish people say, man, the same guy that opened the eyes of the blind? Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? You hear how the mind's working now? You hear whose fault it is? <laughs> Come on. This guy, he opened the eyes. Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? Now guess what's happening right now? Life is standing in front of them. Life itself in a body the author and giver of life. Not one thing was made that wasn't made through the one they're looking at. Life was standing in front of them and all they could see was death. Happens to us all the time. I just said to Irene on the break, come on, be real with me, Irene. I said, most of the time we pray, the only reason we pray is because there's trouble. Not a revelation of God's love and covenant and a promise. We just pray because it's the Christian response to trouble. That's what we've reduced prayer to. The Christian response. Hey, we just heard someone has cancer. Make sure you keep him in prayer. Did you get him on the prayer line? Yeah, get him on the prayer line. More people praying, the better, brother. That's virtually, we've learned, that's virtually a zero. It's the Christian response. It's we reduce relationship to a method and we got a bunch of promises and now we're set up for disappointment because it doesn't happen and now we got a million questions and after six of those, you don't even know whether you're coming or going and you don't even know if you want to try anymore. 
Who can relate to what I just said in that scenario? You'd be amazed if you were honest how many hands would raise up. So Jesus is standing there and the Jews say out of their mouth, this man opened the eyes of the blind. Couldn't he have kept this man? What are they doing? They're getting sentimental because Martha's crying. She's lost her brother for heaven's sakes. Now Mary's bawling and we love Mary. She's precious. She sits at Jesus' feet. She seeks the better part. You think he'd have come and healed her brother. And right then in your Bible, Jesus groans. The word is groan, but in the Greek, guess what it means? It means vexed, to murmur against, and be indignant toward. Was he upset with people and sinning and frustrated and offended? He was face to face with the fall of man. And he's looking at people made in the similitude of God that were serving fear and death and depravity and loss and temporal living and they were created for God's kingdom. And yet he's standing there and they cannot see him. Not one person there understood, not one. He had no help, guys. Not one person understood what was going down. And Jesus groaned inside and wept People say, see, Jesus was sensitive. He was compassionate. He cried for them. <laughs> Why would you cry because Lazarus is dead when you're about to get him up in a minute? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus isn't crying because he's dead because watch this. Jesus can't see death. <laughs> he's not boo-hooing. He's weeping because of the peril of the fall of man and just how lost man is in darkness. And that light itself is standing there and darkness is dominating their soul. Truth is standing there and lies are dominating. Life is standing there and death is reigning. And they're his people made in his image and nothing looks alike right now. And he groans inside and right then he says, Take me to where you've laid him. Why? Because he's saying, I need to put an end to this. This is grievous. Let me just make a point here. But they're still missing the point when he raises him from the dead. Because now it's, wow, Jesus. Instead of our calling and destiny. We've missed that in today's New Covenant Church. Wow, that was Jesus. He's firstborn among. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of. As God sent me, I send. The things I do, you'll do, if you believe. There's, there's 10 more scriptures I could just quote about that right now. They're all through your Bible. So he goes to the tomb and he says, roll away the stone. He doesn't have one believer in agreement with him. Which means faith is a majority, one in Christ is a majority. It means unbelief has no power to stop the revelation of God and His will. No power. Don't you dare get so technical that you give yourself ten reasons why it might not happen when you have one why it will. That's the problem. We have so complicated this thing that we've got many reasons why it might not instead of being established why it will. 
Do you think Jesus was rolling dice right now when he said, roll away the stone? Do you think in the back of his mind he was saying, God, I hope this works or I'm going to look pretty foolish right now? When he rose from the dead, do you think he went, oh my God, it worked. (laughs) Now watch. That's what all of us would do no matter how much we say we believe. When the dead would raise, we would go, oh, it happened. And it just means that God's mercy is working with our willingness. But there has to be a place to grow to know if the scriptures say what they say. True? But God's mercy is working with our willingness, our obedience. God's mercy is amazing. So he says, roll away the stone. And what's Martha say? But Lord, surely by now he stinketh. (laughs) There's a little amplification on that. He definitely don't just stink. He stinketh. (laughs) This is serious. This is four days, baby. Well, there's a lot of cultural reasons. You study out Jewish history. After three days, they believe the spirit left the body. So it's not an accident. It's four days. Because if he's going to blow their mind, why not thoroughly blow every gasket? (laughs) Why, Why leave up one gasket when you could just shatter them all? Let's get every gasket on this one. Let's go for the big one, God. Yeah, wait four days. But listen, you've got to catch what he said to Martha. Surely he stinketh, Martha. He wasn't telling her to get on page and agree with him. He was telling her her destiny, if she could get past herself. Martha, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would just believe? What was he saying? He was saying, Martha, your mind is so in the way right now and you're still thinking about physical and death and stinking. You're about to see the glory of God through what I see and believe. And you know what, Martha, better yet, you'll see it in your life if you believe like me, follow me. Lazarus, come forth. Had nothing to do with Martha not believing. He wasn't asking her to get on page so that he could do it. What he was saying was, Martha... What you see me do in a minute, you're called to through faith. And you will see what you're about to see if you could just believe. But there's so many things in the way, isn't there? We've learned to live solically, emotionally, sentimentally. We give so much power to our emotions and human reasoning, guys. We value our opinions so much, it's ridiculous. We ought to value Jesus and his life at the cost of every opinion we've ever acquired through life. We ought to chop them things to pieces. Your flesh, you run with your flesh and your flesh has a voice. Don't kill me, no, but but hey, but we've been together forever, no. But I love you. Serious, your flesh and soul unrenewed has a voice. And it shouts loud when you're growing spiritually. It shouts loud when you're faced in a place to express spirituality. It seems like everything's engaged in screaming to cut off truth. It's a war against the kingdom, not you. Trying to quench the finished work of Christ. I know I didn't turn there in John 11, but it's all on tape. And you'll see if you read through, everything I preached is there exactly like I preached it. 
not exaggerated and I didn't miss anything. I've read it a few times. <laughs> Lazarus raised today. He said, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you would just believe? What was he saying? Honey, if your heart finds the place my heart's sitting in right now, you'll do the very thing you're about to see me do. He said, That's a very different ringtone. <laughs> Are you following the intensity of what we're saying? Do you realize life was standing in front of them and all they could see was the problem? Do you realize they were three feet from the answer? And the problem was way bigger. Does that happen to us? Does it have to? Not according to the word. So just because it happens, that's not changed the truth and what's available. I could pray for 16 people and lose everyone to cancer and this book still says to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Is the word changed because I prayed for 16 people and they died? So you have to decide right now after losing 16 people where your integrity is and do you raise his word above your rationale like he's raised his word above his name? Psalms 138.2 or do you raise your feelings, emotion, and opinion above his word and rewrite the book and make it say something different? That's where you find out how humble you really are or proud in your own opinion. And all of a sudden you let circumstances in life be your doctrine and define God instead of Jesus' life who already set things in order. Guys, the biggest mistake we do as we try to find who God is through our lives lived. You find God who through Jesus' life lived. You find God through Jesus' life lived. That's who God is. Jesus' life lived. We try to find him. We say because this didn't happen, God mustn't have wanted. God must have been. It was God's. It was their time. It was. We say that all the time. We have manuals and books that have reasons why men aren't healed. The only reason we write them is because it's our experience. Jesus didn't have the manual in his back pocket. The manual can be okay if it helps give us understanding how to glean and get things out of our life and get stumbling blocks of unbelief away or to encourage others to continue to grow. But we've taken those books and almost reduced it to saying, well, I prayed, I did my best, honey, but if you just get a little more faith and keep seeking Jesus here, I'll give you a couple faith books because you can be healed. You just need to grow in your faith, sweetheart. According to the scripture, she has every right to look at me and say, buddy, where is your faith? I thought you knew Jesus. Would you please give him to me? Because the sign follows the believer, not the one in trouble. If any among you sick, let him ask, why? Because you might be in trouble and you might have prayed and, and you feel like, but you call people that believe and they pray the prayer of, here's the paradox. If you don't set your heart on the will of God for that situation, how are you going to pray the prayer of faith? It's not, an, it's not the motions and ordinance. We're not, it's not just, okay, we're going to do what the Bible says. No, it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Do you hear any? It's James 5, 14, 13. Do you hear any limit? I see you, BJ. Any limitation there 
Is any among you sick? Let him ask for the elders of the church. So he's asking, is anybody sick? Why would he tell you in his word to ask for the elders if it wasn't his will to heal you? Why is he putting you through the wild goose chase of doing it to perplex your mind and tempt you to sin and go through and waste all that good oil? If he wasn't going to do it anyway. See, we put it up to God and God sent his son and he's put it in us. He's put the kingdom in us and given us his name. Told us to study and show ourselves the proof and not love our own lives and surrender and die so we can rightly manifest him. Why would he tell me if I'm sick to call the elders if there's one opportunity or place where it's not his will to heal me? And he told those elders to pray the prayer of faith. What heals the sick? The fact that we obeyed the ordinance and anointed with oil? Know that we understood the will of the Lord. And we represented God's heart and love in the situation towards the person. Not because we're afraid, not because we're striving, not because we're struggling, not because we're trying to affirm spirituality. But because Christ has come and he's in us. (laughs) And you pray the prayer of faith over them. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Period. It... Show me a translation that says, parentheses, unless, of course, God has soberly chose not to. Unless, of course, you're not in the perfect timing and the people didn't apply the oil in the right manner. It's not a works thing. It's a faith thing. The work's done. The work's done. The work's finished. It is finished. It's not how you pray and what you pray. It's what you believe about what he's done. Come on. I had two hands. I had Adam and I had BJ. Uh, I'll take Adam and then we'll get the mic back to BJ quick. And then I'm going to ask you just to let me finish this because of time. But go ahead. I have a question. Just, just as you said, you were growing in faith. And um, I hope this doesn't sound like a strange question. But um, when, when, when the motive of the heart is fear, and now all of a sudden we can't ask for prayer. I got what you were saying there. You, you know what I mean? And, and when the motive of the heart is fear... And now we're not asking for prayer because if we're asking, well, then that means we don't believe, right? Would we ever, or would a scheme from the devil ever be to convince us that we do have faith when we don't? Do you know Absolutely. What I mean? It happens all the time. We think because we prayed, it's faith. No, we prayed because we're scared. We prayed because we have trouble. We prayed because the Bible says pray. We pray because we have a promise. But that doesn't mean there's faith. Okay, watch this. Jesus, this is not my sermon. I'm so safe preaching this. It's red letters. You can put him on a cross, but if you want to put me on there too, you can. But watch this. Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, assuredly, that means truly you can bank on it. In the integrity of God, he spoke a truly, I tell you this, if you have faith, you will say to the mountain, Move doesn't say you'll cry out to God and plead with God and beg God. It says you, in the authority you've received through him, you will say to the mountain, move, and the mountain will move, and nothing shall be impossible for you. So what does the Bible reveal faith in? Is faith revealed in speaking to the mountain? Or the mountain moving. Mm. 
The mountain moving is the evidence of faith. We're speaking at a lot of mountains. Faith will speak to the mountain, but the mountain moves. So what's the evidence of faith? See, in the gospel, receiving is believing. But we beat each other up with that because we say, well, you didn't get it because you didn't have no faith. Well, that falls on the whole church, guys. Not the individual. There's no cop out in this. We've, we've, see how self-centered we are? Well, you didn't get it. Well, they just died because they didn't have faith. Well, where was your faith? Well, we prayed and prayed, but you know what? They just didn't believe. They just kept, you know, they just this and this and this. And we have all these. And we're leaving each other out to, out to die and dry and die. We don't realize we're a family with the same package and covenant. And if one is sick among us, let's get over them and pray the prayer of faith. The sentiment thing gets involved. Sometimes we think, absolutely, Adam. There's a lot of people say this. Watch what they say. This is serious when you say this because it's, it's the elevation of the human mind in the way that seems right to man. It's the exalting of the way. We say, well, I don't know, but I prayed and believed. You can't tell me I didn't have faith. Well, then God lied. And his word isn't true, and you probably ought to stop reading the Bible because it's deceiving. We say, well, I prayed. You can't tell me I didn't have faith. I believe. Look, when the mountain doesn't move, you better find a place of humility and say, God, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm believing. It seems like I'm believing. But you said that mountain moves. And I ask you to work in me your glory and take me a step farther in faith. Cause me to see like you see, Jesus. Put your eyes in me. Put your heart in me. Because these things have to change. Stop assuming faith if you didn't see the change. Because that's going to hurt you real bad in the long run. Because now you're dictating truth at the cost of truth. And all of a sudden God's word can't even be honored. Because you're saying what well, we believed. So God, because now you have to answer that. Well, then God, see, because we believe, so God had to choose to just take them so he doesn't just heal everybody because we prayed and we believed, brother. You can't tell me we didn't believe. Let's look at Mark 11 real quick. This thing opens up so many. This thing could go the rest of the school. We could be on this one topic. Yeah. I promise you, it's... it's I travel, my heart breaks when I travel because there's a universal seemingly language, mindset, and limitation over the body of Christ at large. That's not a negative prophecy. That's an observation, a reality that we don't understand. We've been hurt by life. And we've tried the gospel as an aspirin. Almost an antidote. We say, well, it's not strong enough. Well, take two. I tried two. They don't work. Faith is not a hit miss. It's not a plug you put in and pull out. Faith isn't something you try. It's something you live. Well, we tried that. Well, we did that, brother. Do you hear our language? Go ahead, Adam. That's what would drive you back into the prayer closet. But we're, we're being robbed of that time because... Like, when we don't see it happen, that should drive us back into God. It should take us right yeah. to the presence. That's what I teach. When, when I don't see it happen, I run right to God for more of Him because I know His Word's true. And above all my feelings and pain and the tears that I want to cry because of the loss, because it's real, because we're not fly by night. We're real. Yeah. 
and we're serious. And you hold a little baby with tubes in them, and I'm remembering one right now, and the next day they die. I had a great privilege to hold that baby and a great opportunity. And I'm not just wearing condemnation and taking the responsibility of their death, but I had a great privilege for life. And I take that serious. And you know what? I'm not afraid to hold the next baby. Are you following me? And there's babies that should be dead that aren't. Because I'm not going to change my mind. Are you following me? Yeah, and this is it then. But could you just talk a little bit just a baby just about the uh the idea of um when he when he talks to the man and he says um you know about his own unbelief. You know what I mean with the father with the demonic. Yeah. And he says, "Well, help me with my unbelief." Yeah. You know what I mean? And just the the application of that in our own life now instead of being tricked thinking that we believe so we never actually say that cuz we're afraid if we say that then that wouldn't you know, Do you be, hear what he's saying? Yeah. There's a guy that cried out. He said, I believe. He said, anything's possible if you believe. And because and, and, he said uh, about, uh, he said, that's Mark 9. We're right there. Watch, watch, what, watch what Jesus says. The, the, the man comes, and, and I preach out of Mac, Matthew 17 all the time because it's the same story, but it's the rest of this, the Paul Harvey version. It's, it's the whole story. And you want to be careful that you don't build a doctrine based on one gospel if it's in the other gospels. You've got to read them all and get the whole story. A lot of people preach out of Mark 9 and never even consider Matthew 17. So what they preach is that devils only come out by fasting and prayer. What comes out by fasting and prayer is the unbelief and the ability to live in the soul and flesh. The authority to defeat the devil is already accomplished through Jesus Christ. And the first sign of a believer is casting out devils because the totem pole has shifted. And you're no longer under his feet. He's under yours in Christ. That's not an arrogant, pompous thing. That's a God reality. There's light in you and life in you and authority in you and Christ in you and they fear him in you. So they try to mess with you before you get rooted and grounded and founded so you never see what they know. Because <sighs> if you ever see what they know, it's over. That's why you get messed with so much. And if you take it personal, you're just another person in trouble. No, it's, a, it's coming against the kingdom. The adversity is coming against our potential. It's trying to stop the glory of God revealed. Christ is already raised from the dead. They are freaked out by Jesus. They fear him. They have, they're going to hell in chains and fire and can do nothing about it forever. They are not going to raise up against him and win. There is no hope of victory. They are damned forever and they know it. And if you ever know it and I ever know it, we will see that now. Let's get this. And that stops selling cheap because of mind and feelings and emotion and human wisdom. Forgive my passion. I cannot help it. This thing is real. Come on. It's not a fairy tale. And it's not just, oh, yay, the devils were afraid of Jesus. Ha ha, they trembled. Woo-hoo-hoo. No, they trembled. You get it? They fear him. He is Lord. Every tongue in heaven and earth and under the earth will say he is Lord. Every knee, 
heaven, earth, under the earth will bow. And there's nothing stopping it. Because he's Lord. There's no plan good enough. There's no strategy available for hell to design to stop this thing from coming. Judgment is coming. They will be bound and held forever and judged forever. And they cannot stop it. Why? Because they aren't as powerful. The kingdom of God is at hand. We're not waiting for it. It's in reach. It's here. Don't look here. Don't look there. Don't even look to someone else who seems anointed. The kingdom of God is within you. Do you get this? We've been lied to and lied to and lied to and lied to and our motives haven't been clear and right but the truth still remains. You following me? Come on, we can get this. We can shake all these things off. If I don't understand what I'm preaching to you and you don't understand what I'm crying out like a maniac, then life's going to stay the same. And we're just waiting for a bus to pick us up and get us off of this rat race. That is not the will of God. Read Mark 11 with me quickly. Verse 20. Forgive my, that, that, that I have nothing to do with that emotion. I can't, there's nothing to do about it. I apologize, but I can't apologize. Meaning, if it didn't have to be that way, it wouldn't be it. So then Jesus answered and said to them, verse 22, have faith, Mark 11, verse 22, have faith in, not your prayers, not somebody else's faith. Have faith in God, his love for you, redemption through Christ for you, his promises for you. Do you see how personal you have to take the gospel? Your faith is in who? Not your church. Thank God you have a good church. But your faith is in God. Do you hear how relational that is? What matters most? Your faith in God. Man, we put our faith in so many other things and don't even realize it's happening. Techniques, principles, teachings, sermons. My faith has to be in God. He's the one that sent his son. He's the one that wrote the book. He's the one that said yes. I didn't forget you, BJ. Have faith in God. For truly or assuredly, this is a promise. For truly, assuredly, I say to you, whoever. Who? Who? Do you hear any limitation in that? The gifted, the called. The specially anointed. The ones that have received levels of impartation. Not against impartation. That wasn't a slam. Impartation's real. But don't think impartation is a shortcut to seeking Him. Impartation is just a blessing of the grace and mercy of God. And He sees fit to do it. So it's a good thing. Some people, some people, that thing I yelled out earlier and you saw the passion in me. When I'm in my bedroom and I got things happening, cyclone and God, don't ever play. I don't even want somebody to try to impart the benefit of that to me. I want to get that. You go after it. You go after heaven. You go after God. 
That's not an impartation thing. That's God directly coming because you're seeking Him. You're hungry and you're making a statement through your body, your flesh body. Surrender, sacrifice. You're, you're making a statement, I want you more than anything. Now, I am not judging anyone, but we all need to question how real that really is in our life. We want people healed. We want the supernatural. We want the power of God. But nothing comes without a cost. Salvation is free in the sense of your righteousness is a gift and grace abounds. But the hungry, the ones that are seeking, the ones that are selfless. Why? Because if you don't live that way, something's going to encroach and you're going to have a mix of the two. You're going to have the wrong raising of the dead. (laughs) Assuredly, that means truly, you can bank on this. He's good to his word. It's red letters. See, we have judged God. We've subpoenaed God in our mind. We've taken him to court again and again. And many people even found him guilty. (sighs) For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Do you see where the revelation of love will take you? It'll get you past the soul, the flesh, your past failures, the things that didn't happen, unanswered prayers, the people that died. All of a sudden things get brighter and bigger than ever before, and all of a sudden you see it for the way it is. Isn't that how Jesus had to walk? He was the revelation made flesh. He already saw, he already knew the answer, the punchline was already revealed. He wasn't raising the widow's son and saying, God, thank you. He wasn't raising the paralytic, take your bed and walk and go, oh, it worked. That's what we do. When the paralytic actually gets up, we go, whoa. Why? Because we're not in that revelation and mercy is empowering us all the time because it is mercy. Even when you have a revelation, it's mercy that you have the revelation. Because we haven't done anything to achieve the revelation. It's been given by God. But you seek it. You yield. There's a place where you can say thank you to a brother for your time spent with God. But God gets the glory for being willing to give what He gives. A man came to me one time and said, I appreciate you obviously have spent lots of time with God and His Word. And I appreciate your time spent in the Word. And I want to thank you for that. And I said, you're welcome. He said, and the other thing I want to thank you for is your smile. And I said, I have nothing to do with it. I cannot take that one. (laughs) Because it's not my fault. (laughs) But spending time in his word, guilty. The smile is because of him. That one doesn't belong to me. Or I'm just doing my best to smile good. I can do nothing about it. See, I'm smiling now and I'm so passionate and so ripped up by all this. You have no, I'm a war of emotion in me right now. It's all good because it's all channeled in truth and God and Holy Ghost. It ain't doing bad. <laughs> Whoever what? Says to this mountain, be removed and does not what? Doubt in his heart. What are you going to do? But believes. So is it saying... Or believing? Believing. Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. That those things he... So out of our heart, we make confession unto salvation. So we speak out of belief. So the reason we're saying is because we believe, not because we're in trouble, 
Because we believe, not because we're in fear, because we believe, not just because we're desperate, we believe. We see the will of God in the matter, and it gives us the right to pray. We're not just praying because we're afraid they're going to die. We see the will of God to live. The will of God inspires our faith. The will of God initiates our prayer. You follow me? Now watch. Those things he says will be done and he will have whatever he says. Sounds like receiving is believing. Not praying. So I ought to stay humble and run to God if I'm not getting the answer to what I'm saying. I shouldn't get intellectual and draw conclusions and in an attempt to save face or cover myself or come out spiritual, come up with analogies to explain away the laws at the cost of truth which is in position to make us free. It's what we do all the time. We're feeling bad because we're serious. We really want people healed. But we feel bad. We're hurting. And we're trying to come up with things to comfort. It's false comfort, guys. Because it doesn't release more power. It doesn't release the answer. It's false comfort. But we come up with these spiritual analogies to make us feel better about what we feel bad about. But it's at the cost of truth. And truth is where freedom is. You with me? Watch, therefore, I say to you, oh, look at this promise. Uh, uh, so either, either he didn't mean what he said, he lied, and we're right and he's wrong, or it's too complicated. Come on. <laughs> Don't forget your clay. He's potter. Don't forget you've been trained by another way, and he's the way. <laughs> Don't forget you fell. He never did. (laughs) Don't you forget we're recovering from some things. (laughs) He said never needed to. Watch. Therefore I say to you, whatever, what? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will... How many times do we pray and say, well, it didn't work? We pray, look with our eyes, think with our minds, say, well, it didn't work. Well, but I didn't get it. No, you believe and continue to believe. You stand in the place of faith. There's so many scriptures right now attacking me. It is unbelievable. Give the, uh, do you still have something to, yeah, go, go, go for it. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. Uh, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I felt as a child, I thought as a child. Now that I am become a man, when I gain the knowledge of the finished work of Christ, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, darkly, but face to face. I know in part now, but then shall I know fully, even as I am fully known. What that tells me is that before we gain the knowledge of the finished work, we're, we're blind to this world and, and we don't understand faith and we're free of that. We're innocent of that responsibility. But once we gain that knowledge and we step into that, uh, we gain that responsibility, I guess you could say it's a responsibility, and we see in the mirror maybe darkly and we don't understand, but it's face to face and it's truth. And then up, up 
following that is the, the verse that everybody knows that says of faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, and I hear you're saying all this about faith and stepping into it, but all I can hear in my head is when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, sure, he did it to show that he was, that he was the son of God, and, and he did it to, to you know, show people that, that he was who he said he was, but it was love. Jesus loved Lazarus. Absolutely. Jesus wanted Lazarus there. It was love for people. He didn't raise the paralytic to show people who he was. There were people that he healed and said, don't tell anybody. Absolutely. He did it because of love. Because so of love. if you go into these situations mm-hmm. and you go into this hospital to raise people from the dead and it's simply to, to justify yeah, how you... Or manifest supernatural or, things. Or, or, or in any way, shape, or form. It's really got to come from a place of just love for people, not to prove God to people, but just right. having that love in your heart and having your motivation be love. Amen. And, and the faith follows that. That's excellent. And that's, 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 that's the whole thing. You, you can't say anymore. That's what we've actually covered that just a little earlier about love and the motive. Have you ever watched, and well, that's what we preach on in this school, is love, the motivation to be. So watch this. Did you ever notice when somebody's in a hospital, they got a big tumor, they got a cancer, and here's what we say. Come on, let's just pray that God heals them because it's going to be a sign to everyone. Man, can you imagine when that goes, how the doctors and the nurses and did it, and the whole reason he heals is because he loves that person. And we make it all these other things. That's what he's talking about. And it seems like all those other things are good, but the first and foremost reason, and that's where faith comes from, because faith works through. That's why you hear me talk about, who's ever heard me talk about relationship with God? Has anybody ever heard me talk about relationship with God? Do you know why? Because He loves us, faith works through. And faith is revealed when you see God's nature. And through God's nature, you understand His will. And where the will of God is seen, faith arises. It's the spontaneous result of knowing God. Faith isn't something you're trying to have. It's something that flows out of knowing Him. Me and my Father are one. He's always with me. I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. Do you hear what He had with the Father? And in that place is the manifestation of revelation. Unhindered, across the board, without fail. No matter the environment, the atmosphere, the mindsets of people, or the faith of others. We ought to learn from that, right? And we need to go with that. I got, I got, I got questions. Questions. Go ahead. Let's take the questions. There's just so much to cover, and this happens to me when I try to teach, so I'm trying to do my best to give you guys grace and ask questions, but it's okay. Well, okay. Jenny's here too. That's why I'm saying because I had a couple hands, and I think I had one over there. Go ahead. Um, you're unaware of the song that came down Saturday night, and we were in the midst of worshiping and saying, we want more of you, we want more of you, we want more of you. The whole congregation was singing and just pounding that. Right. And the, the prophetic song came down, and there was a moment where I always ask permission. I go to Pastor Don and ask permission, and he had stepped out of the room. There was, a, 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 there was actually an emergency in his family, and I couldn't in the moment when I felt God wanted to move and sing that. I had to wait for the, the, the leadership. Holy Spirit has always taught me to respect and honor that. Right. So I got his permission after we came in. 
And it even felt, there was, guys had no idea what was going on up in the stage, but we were like almost to a stop. But God landed a couple songs on the drummer and Pam and brought that moment back around. And I actually was trying to come to you to ask permission because God, want, I believe, wants to sing that song again. And I went to my husband, and we, I prayed, and I felt like Holy Spirit wanted to bring that same song to this moment. And my husband even said, you have to ask permission. So I'm honoring my husband. I'm honoring God. I'm honoring Holy Spirit. I'm asking permission to sing that song again because I, I believe it so fits. And, and it's a song from? It's the prophetic song from Saturday, Saturday night. night. No. Would, you, would you have the grace in a moment to close with it? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So the grace is there to do that in your spirit. Okay. Go ahead. Give, yeah, give Catherine my quick. Quick, talk fast okay. now. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I was actually, when, when he was talking about loving, we, we move in love. Yes. Um, it's just making me think of the, the first two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And as we receive God's love, as we love God, that we can love our neighbor. And it's out of that love and receiving that relationship, love with God, that we're able to love our neighbor. And I think sometimes we try to love our neighbor before we really receive that love yeah. from God and God's, it's God's love. Totally happens. Do you yeah. guys realize that the whole first two weeks of school got consumed with that one topic right there? Do you realize that? You've got to realize that so that we become that. It's all about love. It's all about love being our motivation. It's it's all about you receiving his love so you can love one another as yourself. And it comes from the healthy motivation of love. There's no fear in it. There's no... Go ahead. Okay, faith and love. Um, you just said that like healing comes because of faith and love. Um, what about, and this may be completely foolish and technical, but what about being like baptized in the Spirit? It, it, like That's something that I've always struggled with, you know, and I think that maybe that's a deception if... You know, and feeling inadequate. Um, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's a, there's a, baptism of the Holy Spirit is there is very simple. It's, it's, it's. Uh, so you're saying if you feel like you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah, yeah. oh. Exactly. I've I've seen people have hang-ups with the gift of tongues. They get so soul, such a solical stronghold that even though the anointing of God's there, they actually perceive the Spirit of God come upon them. Their mind is shutting down and they're feeling like, and, and, I, and I understand it's just lies and trap, but there's a place to just receive Holy Spirit. In fact, some people could surround you after this class and pray for you to where you just settle for all. Baptized in Holy Spirit, He's upon me. He's upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? And he's knowing me. John G. Lake had a great, wonderful ministry seeing all kinds of healings, but felt like he was longing for more, like there was a baptism in the spirit that he was lacking. And but yet he was seeing all kinds of healings and stuff. So then the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon him. It, it's, it, it all goes hand in hand. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, you edify yourself, you don't speak to men, but to God, there's an awareness of Christ in you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, through praying in tongues. I'll be driving and I just begin to pray in tongues. It's just good. Begin to shout in tongues sing in tongues and then I'll pray in English and ah, see what I mean but there's an awareness of Christ in me Holy Spirit with me friends in God you see what I mean but the Bible says if the if we being of evil nature know God could give good gifts to our children how much more the Father will give a Holy Spirit to them that ask so if we ask is he coming yes <laughs> okay you receive him just like you receive salvation you receive him by faith 
But if you ask, is he coming? Yeah, in the Bible, the only really outward manifestations you see listed is the other tongues, and men begin to worship and prophesy. I know people that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they did it by faith. They had this thing going on in their mind. They went to sleep at night. They woke up in the middle of the night. I had one man call me, and he said, look, I don't know what's going on, but you prayed for me yesterday for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like I got these words, and I just don't know if, they're, if I'm making them up, and I just know there's something in me. And I said, what are you talking Just pray. I was like, man, thank God. He's a... Bear down and push, push, blah. That's just crazy. He's holding it in for hours. I wonder if this is just me. I'm wondering if I'm just making this up. It's like, pray, man. He's like, this is so amazing. He was so overwhelmed, he drove to my house to pray in tongues together. And on the way over, he was crying because he was singing in other tongues songs. But he held it for hours. I knew one lady who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit by total faith. She's intellectual, thinking things through, didn't really feel (laughs) any evidence that he came. Not making fun of her. By faith, she said, because if you're going to be intellectual, you better have faith. Some people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and go, I know he's here. So it's pretty easy to believe. Wonder if you don't feel that. Wonder if you don't have an experience like that. Here's what she did. The day they prayed for her and laid hands on her, when they took their hands off of her and everybody's trying to get her to pray certain things and some people say, say yabba dabba do backwards, that is ridiculous. <laughs> we just prayed for a little Baptist girl uh, Thursday night, it was so fun. They brought her over to me and said, would you pray for her? And I said, why didn't they pray for you? She said, I don't know. They told me they were going to wait and bring her to church so you could pray. I said, man, they should have prayed for you yesterday. She was wanting the Holy Spirit. And she's in a group of Christians. But they were waiting. They wanted me to talk to her and pray for her. But we prayed for her. And I had the great privilege of praying for her. Little Baptist girl. She said, I just started coming to these meetings because I realized my church probably doesn't even believe but by half the Bible. (laughs) I said, okay. She said, and I want baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, you got any questions, any concerns, any hold ups in your mind, any stumbling blocks of things you've been taught negative? I just want him. I said, oh, you are such a sitting duck. I said, well, then just pray right now this. And we prayed and laid hands on her and she, she, she went. Now see, when people see that, they think if they don't do that, they're not getting him. And then she prayed in tongues, sounded like an angel. It was so sweet. I got her, she got prayed real loud. It was so sweet. But this other lady for three months, I love you, Holy Spirit. I appreciate you in my life. Thank you for teaching me who Jesus is and opening the word up to me. I appreciate you leading me in truth and showing me, Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. Talk to him for three months like he's right there. Her husband called her from out of town. She's never seizing cry or upset, but he was going through something and he broke down and cried on the phone. Young marriage and he's out of town and she's not there. It ripped her heart. He said, well, just keep me in prayer. And he hung up the phone because he had to go. And he's crying. She's, she's torn. She wants to be there. She's miles and miles, states away. And she doesn't know how to pray. She's overwhelmed because her husband's so strong. And he's such a man of God. And she kneels at her couch. And she's like, Lord, I just, I'm 
She sprayed at tugs like She had a real stronghold, she said, just never wanting to, you know, it's little lies, little things that creep in, you know, just when I don't want to know that I made it up. Well, she's there at the couch, she's praying in tongues, all of a sudden she realizes in the middle of praying in tongues, it was there all the time. It just got past her head. It's funny because her head's above her mouth, but somehow it had to go past her head. I think it would just go out, but it didn't. It, <laughs> But people can surround you. There's a couple of people who would, who would surround her and pray for her for the baptism of the Holy Spirit today in the room. You guys are pumped in that too. Brian, you will. I, yeah. We got to close. It's 12 o'clock. We're done. <laughs> done. Class is over. <laughs> <laughs>